Hello, hello. You are listening to a pastor in his newspaper, a podcast helping you read the news with the Bible in your hand. I am Dr. Castro. It's good to be with you and hope you all had a wonderful Easter Easter holiday. And I do agree. It's uh, We should probably use the phrase Resurrection Sunday. Uh, Easter has some pa- pagan um, uh, background to it, and we should uh, probably more often say Resurrection Sunday, uh, especially those non-Christians that when we say Easter, they, they think Easter bunny and eggs. But when we say Resurrection Sunday, we're definitely focused on Christ's resurrection. And uh, so hopefully you had a wonderful Resurrection Sunday and a good week leading up to that. Our church had uh, a Good Friday service, and then we had a uh, service on Sunday spend time with my um, family and my, my parents as well. And uh, so um, good to, I think we watched a lot of Masters Golf as well. So uh, that's always fun to kind of look at Augusta on Easter. It always just kind of in some ways represents spring, uh, the beautiful golf course in, in Georgia and watching the Masters. So, um, so yeah, so hopefully you had a wonderful holiday. And we are going to uh, jump into talking about two uh, two stories that really impacted the state of Tennessee in the past um, few weeks. Uh, one was in the end of March. One was kind of a week later in the beginning of April. And they do go kind of hand in hand because not only did they happen in Tennessee, but they also happened in Nashville. Um, and also where one led to the other in a lot of ways. So, um, so we're going to jump into these, these stories and it's been a, uh, it a sad, sad couple of weeks in the state of Tennessee, um, with what happened in the end of, end of March with the, um, the shooting at Covenant Presbyterian church in Green Hills, which is a suburb South of, South of Nashville and, uh, Covenant Presbyterian school, which is a part of Covenant Presbyterian church, which is a PCA Presbyterian church of America, church reform Presbyterian, and um, on 10.13 a.m. on March the 27th, um, a former student, 28-year-old Elizabeth Hale, um, basically shot her way into the, into, the, into the building in the school and within 14, 15 minutes had killed seven people. And uh, she also was, was killed by police. Uh, victims were um, all nine years old. All the student victims were all nine years old. Um, actually, the pastor, uh, Pastor Shrugs, his daughter Haley, um, was one of the one of the victims. Um, and there's also three adult staffers who were killed: a su- substitute teacher, a custodian, and then the headmaster of the school, uh, Mrs. Uh, Kuntz, K-O-O-N-C-E. Um, super uh, Catherine uh, Kuntz. Um, is her name. She was the covenant headmaster. Um, this is a very sad, sad, sad story. Um, this is the 17th uh, school shooting this year in America. Uh, that number is just is, is haunting. Um, 17. Um, and, and, you know, this is a, it's a larger conversation. Um, why, why is this having, happening on such a large scale in the United States? Uh, we don't really hear stories about this in Britain or Japan or Sweden or the Netherlands or France. Um, what is it about America that we have so many school shootings? I mean, 17 in one year. Um, this one was felt a bit different since it was also a church. So the school was connected to the church. Um, it was all one big 
kind of bi- big building in Green Hill outside of Nashville. And, and so the conversation is, is it was this, um, a hate crime against Christians. And, um, it, it's just another kind of layer to this story, but, um, I'm sorry, Audrey Elizabeth Hale is the, is the, is the former student who was the, the gunman, gunwoman. Um, but she claims to be a trans, um, a trans male, um, and I guess Aiden is the name that um, she prefers to be called, and she prefers to be for people to use the the male uh, pronoun he or his in referring to to, to her, um, and that just adds another layer to the story that I really want to kind of get into. Um, and I want to get into the gun violence issue toe and how that impacted the, the second story uh, of our podcast today. Um, it's a very sad, uh, sad event. Uh, again, this isn't a, a school. Um, we think about, um, gun violence in the United States. Sometimes we think of, of kind of urban areas, city schools, um, that are surrounded by more, you know, gun violence and gang violence, but this is definitely not that. This this church, Covenant Presbyterian, is in a neighborhood whose average cost of the average cost of the home is three million dollars. Um, and um, again, it it just kind of puts it in perspective that um, how do how how do we know that our kids are safe when they go to school? Um, you know, my kids go to a school. One, two of my kids go to school out of church, the church that I work work at, and um, here at Central, and and it, really this event has really impacted you know our community here at Central because we again we have a school, um, we have uh, really we have three schools operating here during the week, um, and and so keeping kids safe is really a, very much a top priority, and so there were some things that we did this past the past few weeks just to to make the the building more secure um and and again if you look at this story um the 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 gun the gun woman um, audrey elizabeth hale she she there wasn't a door left open uh she shot through a glass door the front door that was locked and then got into the into the into the school this way so it's not like there was a door left open that she kind of strolled in. Um, she had, um, it says that the police have found detailed, uh, plans of the building. She knew where to go because she's a former student. She knew where to go and, and how to get to certain people. Um, and there's been some, there's been some comments made by the white house, um, that this wasn't, they're not quick to, to call it uh, a hate crime, um, which is a bit interesting because they're quick to call hate crimes hate crimes when you know it's obviously uh, you know those involved are are part of a minority group and so they can win political points. But they're so slow uh, to claim what this is. And, and again, this is a former student who it, it, I guess it came out that she. Um, she hated her religious education that her parents um, uh, gave her. Her parents are her parents are um, actually are Christians. They are involved in a in a church in 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 the Nashville area called Village Chapel. I believe is what it's called. 
Um, and they send their daughter uh, to this, this, this school, Covenant Presbyterian, when she was younger. Um, and, and so Audrey, I, I can't, I don't know what, at what age, but decided that she was, uh, she would prefer to be a male and, and, and became a transgender. It does, there's no uh, record that she took any type of testosterone, any type of other um, gender changing medication or hormones because um, there's been dis- some discussion and then I want to talk about this in, in coming episodes about just the ethics of, you know, m- doctors and medical groups um, giving um, sex changing, um, you know, drugs to children um, who at a young immature age say that they prefer to be a different gender and how that they are legally allowed to just give this to minors and how the Europeans have, have a totally different view on this. So we'll, we'll talk about that in the, in the, in the coming weeks. But um, so again, there's just, there's different layers. There's gun violence layer. There's a transgender layer. There's a hate crime against Christian layer. Um, Joe Biden, president Biden had, you know, basically has come out and said that he doesn't believe that this was a, a crime against Christians per se. I'm not really sure how, um, he can say that because um, obviously she targeted a church. She she targeted a Christian institution, um, and who and, and, and this is a fascinating part of the story is um, the Trans Resistant Network, which is a uh, Boston-based pro-transgender group, uh, which I I think. They don't have any clear leader. Um, it's just basically a social media group. Um, has about three thousand plus members. Um, it basically released a statement. And to be fair, they they did like were saddened by the death of of the of the six who did die in this this accident. But then in the second part of this, just kind of like press release, said that the one of the <laughs> One of the reasons for um, one of their own being a transgender committing this 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 horrible act said this is a quote uh, this is from again Trans Resistant Network said a constant drumbeat of anti-trans hate and lack of acceptance uh, from family members in certain religious institutions may have made Hale feel there was no other effective way to be seen than killing people. Hate has consequences. And this is from Trans Resistant Resistance Network. <laughs> just, I'm going to read that again just to kind of. It's, it's a shocking statement. Constant drumbeat of anti trans hate and lack of acceptance from family members in certain religious institutions may have made Hale feel that there was no other effective way to be seen than killing people. Hate has consequences. Um, and again, the, the connection is, is that Audrey was, you know, made to go to the school by her parents when she was younger, um, that religious institutions or Christians and per se to be more general, um, reject transgenders, uh, believe that, um, it is not right to maybe select your, your sex or gender. Um, and by those reasons, by that hate, um, in some ways, Hale is justified in her act. Um, I mean, that is a ridiculous statement. Um, 
And, and I think it gets to the point of where we are in a society when it comes to um, tolerance and, and, and not tolerating certain things. I believe it is wrong. Um, God, we see this in Genesis 1, created the male and female. Um, he created Adam and Eve. Um, and we see this throughout history of, 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 of men or women or boys and girls as the two sex. Um, and there's clear ways that doctors identify uh, these two sex. And we're living in an age where there is um, rejection of those, those kind of um, fundamental understandings of what sex is. And um, those who are born as girls, who are, who are women, who reject that truth about them and prefer to be an opposite sex. And it comes out in ways where they, they can take hormones and take uh, medicines, which is, and they could actually have some more surgeries done, which is, um, you know, far more expensive and, and involved. But even things like how they, how they dress... Um, and um, dressing more like a male or dressing more like a female, the, the idea of cross-dressing or drag and these other terminologies that we use. Um, and there's a, and it's, it's been, I guess, shown that Audrey struggled with depression. She was autistic. Um, she was, I guess, seeing a counselor or about some, some, some mental issues that she was having. There's no reason why she should have had a gun. Um, her parents... Uh, encouraged her to get rid of one of the guns that she had, but she ended up keeping the gun and actually buying multiple guns and hiding them from her parents. She was 28, living at home, and um, and committed this act and deliberately chose to go to this school and deliberately chose um, to to violently act against. Uh, Christians um, and the children of you know Christian families, um, and again this trans resistant network, um, and I think it's important we understand what Christianity is. You know I think again there, there's a view that Christianity is love all. Now we do love all. We do. Um, put ourselves before others and I mean, put others before ourselves and lay our lives down and serve and be a servant to all. These are all very much Christian values and principles that Christ Jesus personified. And, and he was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, right? He became a servant, uh, the man of sorrows who was chastised and, and crushed for our iniquities. Like Christ. Uh, emulated these things. He showed these things. He showed, had compassion on people. He fed people. He he did all these things. But we kind of lose in, in this, this this important truth that Christ did not just allow people to do whatever they wanted. And there's a view that oh well he ate with tax collectors and sinners. Yeah, but I think an important truth though is that these people weren't just allowed to just do whatever they wanted. And that's what the that was kind of the the um, foundational problem with the Pharisees because the Pharisees believed that that was basically what Jesus was doing, allowing people just to live any way that they wanted. 
They can be against the law. They can live against, They can do. They can break God's law. It wouldn't matter. Again, Jesus is the Son of God. The Ten Commandments is His law. He is the Lord. The Trinity is an important concept to understand in Christianity that there is no separation between God the Father and God the Son. They are one, three, two persons, one God. Right? There's also the Holy Spirit. So three persons, one God. So Jesus is in complete agreement with the law. Uh, Christ is in complete agreement with uh, that homosexuality is a sin. Jesus is in complete agreement that someone who wants to be a man who is a woman is against God's law. It's against God's nature um, that he created. And so to, to infuse that, that when Christians say, well, it's sinful, it's against God to hate how he created you, that you are a woman and you desire to be a man, that is a rejection of God uh, and a rejection in, in what God created you to be. And your rejection of God and your hatred of God for making a woman because you want to be a male, just realize that you're rejecting God and what he created for you. When Christians say that, we're not saying that you should be killed. We're not saying that you are the scum of the universe. We're not saying that you shouldn't be cared for or loved or listened to or provided for. This is not, this is not true. Um, now, I'm not saying that some people who claim to be Christians don't, don't say ignorant things or say things that are completely against God's word or say, say things that are hateful. And, and I, I'm not going to say that that doesn't happen. But I think when people say that Christians are intolerant, as if we're going against God's word and against scripture, against Christ, it's just not true. Um, and again, let's not separate Jesus from uh, the Old Testament. Let's not separate Jesus from the Father. They are one. That's why Jesus said in the, ten, in, the, in the Sermon on the Mount, if anyone takes one law away, right, they are, they are to be judged. Like, you can't just take away from God's word. Christ fulfilled God's word in every way and fulfilled his law in every way. So, again, to, to, to say that, that Audrey Elizabeth Hale had justification because she wasn't accepted, or that her choices were not accepted, probably by her parents or by the by the community, and that she is justified in her actions is just plain misunderstanding Christianity, and and misunderstanding like that as an adult, twenty eight years old, she is responsible for her choices and her actions, and she is held accountable by God for her actions, um, and and. We are all held accountable to our actions. When, when we break God's law, we look at the book of Romans, especially Romans 1 and 2, the Jew and the Gentile, all have committed sin against God. They've rejected God's word. They have fallen short of his standard. And we have no hope without Christ. And Christ came to, to, uh, to that through Christ we receive justification, we receive salvation, not by our works, but what Christ has done for us. But even that is we are changed. We are no longer um, we are no longer lost, but we are found. We are now a citizen of God's kingdom. We're we are a child of God. We are then called to live a life that brings fruits of righteousness, not fruits of of unrighteousness. And so um, it's just a really sad, sad, sad story. Um, and and I think there's 
I think we need to just identify some some important cons- issues with this with this event. Is that I mean, if we can't protect children, um, we have really failed as a society. When our children are at risk to be gunned down in their schools, we have lost um, some pretty important things um, in our in our society. Um, when our institutions of, of education cannot protect kids from from guns and and violence, we um, um, we have a very flawed and 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 and, and fractured and and crumbling, it's probably the best word, society. It means 17 school shootings in one year. Um, it's it's just, yeah, as someone who has kids, and two kids, you go to a public school. And a public school that's surrounded by houses that probably costs 600 to $1 million. And they're not completely safe there. As I put my kids on the bus to go to school, um, the back of my mind, the worst could possibly happen. Any day, the worst could possibly happen. You know, we we lock doors, we have security measures, um, but in some ways, people who desire to do wicked, wicked, wicked things, um, they happen. And this gets into the the realm of God's provision, God's sovereignty, I guess it's probably better than God's sovereignty in these issues. Why did God allow this to happen? You know, we, we know of probably plenty of stories where people desired to do something disastrous and violent, and they were stopped by the slightest the slightest moments, but not in this particular situation. This, this girl, this 28-year-old, um, was able to buy a gun, multiple guns, ammunition for those guns, she was able to stockpile these weapons. She was able to uh, organize plans. She was able to drive her car, parked her car, walk into, shoot down, shoot the, the the front door of a building, walk into it, and for 15 minutes, um, rained bullets at Covenant Presbyterian School and killed three nine-year-olds and three uh, a, a headmaster, a teacher, and a custodian, and. You know, the, it, it's interesting that you say that, you know, Haley was shot and, and when she was shot by the police and died, she shot right outside kind of the, the upstairs balcony to the sanctuary where, the, where they do worship. And, you know, we live in a very, we live in a fallen world. We see this in Genesis 3 throughout. I mean, Genesis 4, Cain killed Abel. It's um, violence and death um, populate our human history. And songs that they sang at um, a memorial service. I need thee every hour, and great is thy faithfulness. And um, you know, that's I think that's the, the the key of understanding God's faithfulness endures forever. That God's faithfulness is great that we do need him every hour. And we know that God is working. He is present um, with us. He is present even in these dark, dark days. 
And, and again, this happened weeks before Easter when we see Christ violently killed on a cross, innocent, um, falsely accused. And um, slaughtered for our sake. And I love that, you know, he put death to death. He put death to death through his death. And um, I think we have to remind ourselves of that. And even in these horrible incidents that um, God is in control and uh, we need him, and um, God is is accomplishing his glorious plan. And in the meantime, we have to um, care for people and uh, point them to Christ. Uh, and, and like this, you know, Elizabeth, I mean, Audrey Elizabeth Hale. Um, my hope is that she was cared for by Christians, that she was not um, sinned against, but I can't guarantee that that didn't happen. Um, but I think it's important that we remind ourselves as well and that we, uh, those who are in emotional disorder, those who are um, making decisions that we disagree with, uh, we have to be careful what words we use. We have to be careful how we um, interact with them. Um, we don't avoid them. We smile. We ask them how we can help them. We befriend them. Um, we do not um, um, distance ourselves, but instead we have compassion. We've got to have compassion. Um, when you see that that boy or that girl who's thinking that they're another gender, it's important that we do not that we do not express hate. That we show love. It doesn't mean we agree with them. It doesn't mean we uh, affirm their choices. But we have to love them. We have to invite them and welcome them in. And pray that God, through His Holy Spirit, would change their life, and that they would get, they would have joy and love for God who created them. Because what's going on is that they hate the God that created them. They believe that God has made a mistake, and that they're actually the God who will choose what sex they are and what gender they are. And the stories are riddled with joylessness and hopelessness and depression because they realize that, that that choice did not give them some new satisfaction because there's only satisfaction in Christ. He is the great treasure. We have to point people who are going through these situations. We have to point them to Christ. And if they hate us for, for pointing them to Christ, if they despise us, um, Christ even said that they will hate. if they hated me, they will hate you. But we do not respond to that hate with hate or oppression. Um, we, must, we must care for them, love them, and point them to Christ. Um, the next story that I really want to kind of uh, kind of transition to, they really kind of go hand in hand, is, and it's the second part of this story, which is the gun it's the gun, gun violence that is kind of all over our news. Um, and, and it's such a big hotbed political issue that um, it's almost difficult to talk about because there's so much um, hot, hot opinions on these, these issues and um, it's hard to, to really get any, any kind of um, uh, effective um, um, 
back and forth on guns because either you're completely against guns or you're completely for guns and there really isn't any kind of wiggle room in the middle. Um, and I think that's, I think that's one of the, the problem with our kind of our political institutions, our political society is that um, we're so kind of clued in on our side and our, in our tribe and our view that we don't really allow the nuance in the middle. And um, I'll kind of will say I'm not a very I'm not a big gun person. I don't own guns. Um, I don't think people who own guns are evil. I just not something that I particularly enjoy. Even I'm around them, I'm very uneasy with them and uncomfortable with them, and and don't particularly enjoy them. Um, and I so I, I I do have an opinion on gun control in the United States, but uh, I find that it's best to probably. Um, 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 communicate that view to people one-on-one or personally uh, so they, they can understand context. They can ask questions so that I don't come off as, um, and, and, and I don't come off kind of anti-gun completely because I'm not completely, but um, there is a kind of, I have kind of a nuanced opinion on it. And I think it's typically like opinions like this that are, view, are issues like this. It's better to, to just address them uh, one-on-one um, but, um, um, I do, I do kind of think in the kind of political game, both parties use these issues as, as, um, as wedge issues to kind of increase funding for their particular party or institutions. And they use these issues at their kind of convenience. Um, I think Democrats use gun control at, at certain points and they try to push their agenda, at certain points, but you really don't hear much about gun control and kind of the not you know and other parts of the year, or even the you know if there's a desire to really uh, affect change on guns, then why not negotiate and compromise a deal with Republicans on abortion? But it seems both parties again are kind of kind of boxed in on their own views that they're not willing to compromise and work together um, on the issues that they care about. And actually, come up with some some sensible, reasonable decisions. But that's a different discussion for a different day. But uh, in the aftermath of what happened at Covenant Presbyterian, um, gun gun control bill in said Tennessee kind of came up in the legislature. Um, there was uh, a protest that was calling for gun reform laws outside the Capitol in Nashville, um, and. Two, three Democratic representatives um, in Tennessee, Justin Peterson, Pearson of Memphis, Justin Jones of Nashville, and Gloria Johnson of Knoxville, um, were a part of this protest. Um, I believe, I don't know if all three of them, but two of them used megaphones in the gallery of the Capitol during this protest. Um, in response to their involvement, not only in the protest, but using, especially using the microphone, they were um, expelled uh, from their seats um, in the uh, Tennessee legislature. Um, they were expelled, I guess is the proper term. Well, two of the three were expelled. Uh, the two black men, the two, the two, one from Memphis and Nashville, they were voted on through, basically by party lines, and Republicans have the majority, so they were expelled. Um, but the woman, she was the one. She was from Kentucky, Gloria Johnson. She was not expelled because of one vote, and which is hard not to say that it had to do with skin color. Um, so that that one congressman who voted uh, not to expel Gloria Johnson is, a, I think, a complete. Um, 
I don't know if there's a good word to say, but not wise, uh, very much a fool. Um, again, the issue was, is that there are rules. So when you're, a, when you're, a, a, when you're a part of, a, a legislature, there are certain rules you have to follow, especially when it comes to speaking. Um, you get a certain amount of time in debates, especially in the committees and also on the floor to be able to speak about or, or voice your opinion or argument for a bill to your, to your colleagues. And they broke those rules. They used a megaphone, especially, I, I think... These two, these three, these three congressmen were not. Um, I believe one of their issues was they were not professional. Um, they, in some ways, led this protest. Uh, they took advantage of their roles um, and spoke out of turn, um, and and therefore were expelled. Now, I think expulsion, I think, was probably too extreme. They probably should have been censured um, for their actions because they did break the the, the rules that they are aware of those rules, um, before they're, they're, they're sworn in. Um, and, and I think this, again, it goes back to this, this, this theme of our society is that people don't follow the rules. They don't follow the guidelines. They're, uh, they're being unprofessional. There's a view that I sh- I should be allowed to just speak. No, there's, there's certain ways of speaking so that you're heard. Um, Again, like you can't yell fire in a in a in a crowded movie theater. Like you you can't just speak what you want. There's a certain context by which you speak so that you're heard. And these Congress, these two congressmen and, and this congresswoman spoke out of turn, and by doing that, they used their positions wrongly, and improf- and unprofessional, and were bad leaders. They were horribly bad leaders and horribly wrong, bad role models for people on how they should should speak and present their views. Um, again, I don't believe they should have been expelled. I think that was probably way too far. Um, close to about 130,000 um, voters were not represented because they were expelled. Most, if not all the time, that someone is expelled. It has to do with bribery or sexual misconduct, especially in the state of Tennessee. And this had nothing to do with those two things. Um, and so I think a censure, because they should realize that breaking the, the rules of, of debate um, is, is a huge issue, um, especially when it comes to speaking at a turn. Um, and there's, and Tennessee looked bad. This whole state looked bad from most of for the end of March and April. And I think as someone who's from this state and who now lives in this state, it's an embarrassment. But I, I, I do think, and I don't know if these, I'd love to meet just in person since I live in a city. I'd love to just discuss with them like the importance of teaching children and, and youth and young adults um, how to expi- inspire to be a leader and what it means to be a leader is that when you are a leader, that you act a certain way, that you present yourself a certain way. So for the sake that you are heard by your opposition, you respect your opposition, right? But you disagree with your opposition in a proper way. And they failed to do that. They failed to do it. And I think 
I, I'm not get. I'm not excusing what the Republicans did in the state by expelling them, and especially the one who expelled the two black men, but didn't expel the white woman. Like that's that's needs to be called out. Um, just complete ridiculousness um, for doing that kind of thing by basically voting because of the color um, of her skin. And we just can't have that. Um, but I, I, I do, and I think what ends up, up going to happen out of this whole thing is that, this is the way politics works, is that these two, these three Democratic um, members, they'll get some fundraising, a huge amount of fundraising from outside um, interest groups and, and Republic, Democratic um, um, donors from states that are not even in the South, not even in Tennessee. So, um, but I wonder if, if the, the biggest thing that is not really focused on here is how should we communicate our opposition? How should we communicate our views this is only anyone thinks about that anymore. It's I have a voice, hear me speak. No, it's not how it works. Uh, you can have pathos, you can have passion, but if you don't have ethos, if you don't have ethics, if you don't have a proper understanding of how you should speak, you will not be heard, and the debate fails. The debate fails. Your important views don't get heard because you did not properly respect your opposition. And I think that's what people need to be taught. I think youth need to be taught that. I mean, in the social media world, you can pretty much just throw out whatever you want and you don't think there's any consequence to it. Um, and you don't even care if you're heard. Then why speak? Um, I think that's something we have to come back to, the proper understanding of, 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 um, of oratory, of rhetoric, um, I think I think one of the I'm going to use him because I know he's, he's he's polarizing, but I think President Barack Obama is one of the the best models of this. He he spoke passionately about what he believed, but he had proper ethos. I mean, he was presentable. He spoke in a way that people, even who they who disagreed with him, wanted to hear and listen to him. And I think those again, we want our youth, we want our, our kids to be to be taught that you can have a view on something, you can have an educated understanding about something, you can, a, you can protest that you think that there needs to be gun legislation in the, in the state of Tennessee, and you can protest that, you can make your voice heard, you can write signs, but do it in a way that will be, people will want to listen, they'll want to uh, listen to what you have to say. And so, um, um, I think the importance of professionalism, I think especially if you think about your children and 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 as they grow and mature, uh, teaching them how to present themselves, um, how to dress in a way that uh, people will want to listen to them, um, and the way that they communicate um, and the way that they present themselves is all a part of this. And I believe that these three um, congressmen failed at that. I think they failed to be professional. I think they failed to respect their fellow uh, colleagues, and I think they failed uh, the students that they were trying to lead um, by, especially in, in a context that we had January 6th, um, and I'm not thinking their intentions were insurrection or any of these type of things, but we're, we live in that world where we had people 
break into a our our place of government and and cause an uprising. And I don't know if that's their that what what their three intentions were. I'm gonna assume it wasn't their intentions, but we're quick because we live in that context now. We have to be very careful on how you present yourself and how you communicate and making sure you follow the rules. And especially when you're in the minority, um, it's important to, if you're going to want to be listened to and, and, and want to getting your views heard, then you have to do it in a way that your the majority or that your opposition will listen to you and give you your uh, floor to speak. Um, and, and I think that again, in this whole, uh, as a way to conclude, um, as Christians, we, we do live in a fallen world. Um, we do believe Christ is returning and coming back and making all things new. We do believe that God is sovereign and God is good and he is over us and he is, he is, he is orchestrating all things, even bad things, for his glory and for his praise. Um, but in the meantime, we have to pursue living that will, in a way that will bring honor and glory to God. And uh, that's how we care for people that we disagree with. Um, how we present ourselves, how we communicate, um, that we communicate with respect and honor and love for other and not just love for ourselves. Um, this is important things we have to remember. And um, uh, so hopefully this has been helpful to you. Hopefully Tennessee will have a better few few months ahead and um, we'll look at some, um, some issues with transgenders in the future. I want to talk about that again as well. And I want to talk about video games and how much they're having an impact on the way on the media that we uh, consume and our entertainment and how that's going to affect um, our lives going forward. So we'll talk about that hopefully in the next few weeks as well. And so this has been a pastor's newspaper. Please continue to read the news with the Bible in your hand. See you again.